Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Wonder Woman 84! That's it, as the kids used to say, that's the tweet. Graham McMillan and I start the new year with an hour-plus minicast dedicated solely and specifically to discussing and spoiling Wonder Woman 84, currently in theaters and on HBO Max. We spoil the whole dang thing here in our discussion from soup to nuts, stem to stern, ashes to ashes, funk to funky. So, please do not listen if you have not seen. However, if you have or you do not care to see the movie, join us. And either way, join us again in just a week for a full-fledged, regular-length episode of Wait What? As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. How are you? How was the break? How was everything? Jeff, just just tell me. What's going on with you? You know, you know, Graham, I'm so glad you asked. By which I mean, actually, I'm really sorry you asked. Because I want to make sure. Are we... I, so, we're doing a, a minicast here to sort of surprise everyone and launch the new year with vim and vigor. Surprise and, everyone, including ourselves, and, we yeah. got our schedule wrong. <laughs> I mean, we didn't get it wrong. We had a skip week, and I don't remember if we told people we had one. I don't think we did. Oh, we actually told people we'd be back this weekend. Oh, Jesus God. That's, okay. that's why we kind of had to do Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. But listeners, so sorry. It's going to be kind of short. It's going to be kind of short. Because, among because other things, it was meant to be a skip week. It was meant to be a skip week. It was meant for me to have a three day skip week, which I was very much look three day weekend with no editing. But since Graham and I were going to talk anyway, and I don't know, you know, I was like, if nothing else, I felt like we should talk about Wonder Woman 84. Uh, <laughs> Whereas I'm like, do we have to? Well, okay. So part of why I think we should talk about Wonder Woman 84 is literally if we waited one more week, I I wouldn't have been able to talk about it because A, I would have forgotten everything and B, I would not have had the time to rewatch it because I'll tell you, Graham, even Wait, though I watched watch it, it, I did because you know why people were posting gifts of that fucking movie and I'm like, uh, was that in there? Uh, okay, this is when I tell you mm-hmm. that I have kind of seen it twice, except I haven't. Mm, tell me more. I got a screener for the movie because I had to write something for THR. Right. That was supposed to run like the weekend of. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there was no fucking way that I was going to work on Christmas Day. Sure. But at the same time, I wanted to watch it with the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I watched the screener, but I very particularly watched the screener and fast forward through bits to get to particular things I need to watch, mm. uh, specifically the, the Maxwell Lord scenes. Right, right, right. right? Mm-hmm. So when I say that I saw the film, I knew what happened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I honestly was watching probably a third of it on fast forward. Okay, right? you know what? You know what would have been great would have been if we had had this discussion. Before you watched it with the family and before well, I watched it yesterday. Because well, here's the thing. I liked it a lot more when I watched it on Fast Forward. Oh, interesting. A lot more when I watched it on Fast Forward. Hmm. <laughs> in part because while there were obviously blanks, my brain filled those blanks in more charitably than the actual movie did. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Does okay. That make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, the thing that's really funny is, so like I said, the first time we watched it was on Christmas Day. And I I should, uh, to, to offer up this part, a uh, valuable tidbit of information. Like I said, I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff. And I'm like, I wasn't even high. And then uh, Edie sort of pointed out that I was... Uh, perhaps uh, on something that rhymes with uh, schmambian um, that <laughs> while not was far from full strength, I was watching the movie. Apparently there were parts where I just blacked out like literally. So again, seeing the gifts. So when I sat down to watch it, it really was from a, okay, what did I forget? And apart from a couple areas where I must've walked out to pee and I was like, yeah, just keep going or, or else I completely blanked out. But, my first impression of Wonder Woman, even on the Schmambian, was this is a really bad movie. And then when I saw it yesterday, I was like, it's a really bad movie, but I don't think it's <laughs> as bad as I originally first thought. If that makes sense. like No, I, 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 I totally get it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's funny because Chloe and I were talking about this just before we, we like recording. Uh, and she was like, I never like, I never want to see it again. We have it on HBO Max free right. for the next weeks, but I just don't want to see it again. I, I, I have no desire. Right. And I was like, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more the first time than the second time. Mm -hmm. uh, in large part because, like, it's not a good film at all. But when you watch it a second time, when I watched it a second time, like, I became far more aware of its flaws. Mm. Whereas, and this is something that my THR editor said, because he also watched a screener during. Mm -hmm work he's like did we just like it a lot more because we were watching it during work <laughs> like did our experience completely color the film right i you know that's a good question uh, so I, I, I wonder how much of that is true i wonder how much of that is true how much me watching it fast forward is true because again it's not great i don't think it's terrible like i'm seeing it being completely torn apart on the internet and i don't think it deserves that either well i mean uh, i mean the thing that is hard is well there there's a couple of things that are rough the first thing is is that wonder woman was a really good movie the first movie was shockingly good like people weren't you say that but then i would ask you're gonna you to say it. yeah okay Okay, fair enough, because I did not. But at the time, I think it's this weird expectations problem. Like, I think a lot of people went into Wonder Woman with their expectations pretty low and were pleasantly surprised. I also think, and this is something we'll get back to, is that the first Wonder Woman, apart from the third act, but particularly that final fight scene being pretty blah, um, for the most part, it was it felt again like a quote unquote superhero movie with heart, right? And yeah. like you said, may not hold up well on the rewatch. I I do want to hear your thoughts on that, definitely. But I'm I'm going to keep plowing ahead a little bit. Uh, the so I think that for a lot of us, a uh, Wonder Woman eighty four really by comparison with our first movie because the the first movie kind of set those expectations high in part because they so cleared whatever we had before that Wonder Woman 84 really goes low uh also I think the thing that is problematic with Wonder Woman 84 among 
other things is um, the openings are real problems for the movie in two different ways. Um, The first one being that the Amazon opening sort of seems okay, except literally seems like the biggest reshoot added after failed test screenings. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean... I know that it is in some way connected to the movie in particular, you know, the, the thing that otherwise is a big out of nowhere moment. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it, it's like, sure. So why does the movie have two opening sequences? Exactly. And to me, I think the answer really is the second opening sequence is not good. Like the action is bad and there's also just a sense of you go from Wonder Woman more or less fighting in World War One to essentially someone doing a, hey, let's do a tribute to the opening of Superman 3. And I don't think, in fact, the comparisons between Wonder Woman 84 and Superman 3 are kind of weird and gross. I mean, just in the sense of there's... There's several things that you should ape about Superman 3, um, but not any of the stuff that they chose. And then, weirdly, I think they aped a lot of stuff from Superman 2, which I don't think is also a smart idea, in part because I just don't think that Superman 3 and Superman 2, they're of their time and of their place. But the super campy, here is Wonder Woman taking down non-threats and also in a way that is um, rem- does an impressive job of removing the stakes from the rest of the movie, uh, which is to say that they cleverly show that the opening high sequence is taking place in a mall and this mall more or less in or, or and the streets around the mall and all of that is meant to encompass what America in 1984 is all about and it's all about people being um selfish shitheads right and yeah. one of the things that i think is really super problematic about wonder woman 84 is that it is a uh, a movie about morals and ethics in which there is no moral and ethical stakes in part in i mean not wholly but in part because everyone's already turds at the beginning of the movie and (laughs) that really diminishes any sort of sense of what's supposed to be happening in this film which is more or less what you kind of hope that the 80s a movie about the 80s that I think she really was uh, Patty Jenkins and to an extent Jeff Johns and the Expendables guy were trying to do, which is tell a story about America then and now. And I mean, yes, especially the then and now aspect. Yeah. Like Maxwell is, for all intents and purposes, Donald Trump calling himself Maxwell Lord. Right. Well, and this is the other thing that is problematic and ill-conceived because Maxwell Lord is meant to clearly conjure Trump. But there are are specific Trumpian lines of dialogue, but in other ways it doesn't map. And Maxwell Lord as a comic character doesn't map to Donald Trump. Right. Exactly. Um and so and so that also kind of 
fucks the metaphor. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot going on that is just fucked up and wrong. But the opening, I think, the opening is so bad. The first whatever I, it is, twenty minutes. I, and this is one of the times where I'm going to disagree with you because I like the campiness, not so much of the the Amazon opening, which really does seem like could be completely cut from the film. I mean, another of the problems of the film, it's a film that a good half hour, if not an hour, could be cut from. You, well, okay. And that, that it, brings me to some of the other problems. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I like the campiness of the, the, the mall. Well, of course you did. Scene. Of course I do. Because it's like, it's, it's Just like, a dumb cop superhero film, right? Right. And, and I is, like the thing. big Amazonian opening. If it wasn't clear, like I swear to God, Graham, like, it, oh, like no, no, re-watching it. it, feels... it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of amazing how entirely disconnected and how they tried to make it connected by being like, oh, but it's what is what is the the, the spoiler Linda Carter character called? Asteria? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they're like, what's oh, her armor? Oh, let's mention her to lay in the groundwork of the armor later. And it's like, fucking what? Well, actually, um, so there's uh, I, I, we're both super excited to talk about some of these points, but I do want to nail down and I know I suck all the air out of the room. One, what's amazing is when Diana starts talking with her voiceover, it literally means nothing. It literally knows, goes nowhere and is not really connected to the meat of the scene that happens. And then the whole scene that happens, like you said, there's the whole thing. There's a plot gimme at the end with Hysteria, which isn't even fully connected. You've got later shit to make it even sort of seem like it means anything. And then additionally, the whole sequence has Diana learning a lesson that makes no sense with the rest of the movie, even when the person who is telling her the shit, A, tries to connect it to the to the theme of the movie in a way that is incoherent, and then rapidly moves off of that into the, Diana, the world's just not going to be ready for how special you are, let me lick your butt. And it's just like, what? So, so I just have to say, but, but at least for me, the action was absorbing enough and the music and right up until the very end or whatever, I was kind of, I was down with it. I, it, was, it was a little weird in some ways, but I was way more down with it because I think the other thing about it is I think if you take the opening of Superman three, Superman three is a great, perfect camp sequence. Like, the the camp sequence that you are talking about in the mall, I don't think is good because it's not even like the characters are kind of funny inept. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're kind of funny inept if you've never been threatened by someone with a cocaine problem. You know what I mean? Which is to say Marvel Comics. And then it just doesn't, it just, it's it's it doesn't, to me, it doesn't work. It's like, there's, Real stakes, but fake stakes, and people winking at each other. And Graham, I'm I'm sorry. I just I I I love you, and I love your appreciation of healthy, hearty, campy stuff. But that shit was that shit would have been like considered tired and out of place on a fucking banana split show from like the fucking seventies or late sixties or whenever the banana splits were. It was everything but people running around in fast action. So, okay, go, please. (laughs) 
Um, I've, I've literally lost my place from where I was going, but okay. Um, what I was going to say is my bigger problem, even more than the morality being, shall we say, uh, simultaneously complicated and simplistic, mm-hmm. uh, is that it's a film where Wonder Woman could entirely be taken out and it wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Wonder mm-hmm. Woman has no story in that film. It's a Wonder Woman story that is not about Wonder Woman. Well, okay. So, and this is the other thing that I think, one thing that the first Wonder Woman movie did, quote unquote, well, and you can point out if it if it disagrees, but part of the reason why the third, the big final fight of Wonder Woman is kind of disappointing is sloppy CGI and no stakes, in part because... Wonder Woman is one of those rare movies, superhero movies, that is not a dual track movie, right? Like where most superhero movies start off as dual track, which is you get more or less one narrative about the hero and one narrative about the or- the villain. They both kind of get um, origins. They both kind of get their scenes that explicate their themes. And then they're supposed to come come into conflict with one another. What was kind of refreshing about Wonder Woman, the first one, was it's Wonder Woman in war, and therefore you the the you don't have to have like war is like a disaster where you can do cool shit and punch people, right? So you can kind of you don't have to have a villain that is that you have to understand because it's it's fucking World War One. What's amazing is Patty Jenkins, Johns, and the Expendables guy all decide that for the second movie, not only are they going to do a hero track and a villain track, but then they throw in another villain. And then because Jenkins does not pace like a superhero film, which in theory is usually a good thing, um... All of those stories are too flaccid and gassy, take up too much time, and don't really cover any room. You know what I mean? Like, it is shocking for me when I rewatched it how much scenes are given to Maxwell Lord, and yet the Max Lord sequences are kind of a lot of the same thing happening over and over again. And weirdly, the Kristen Wiig stuff, which I thought was just abominable and just uh, just sad and awful the first time around. The second time around, I'm like, oh, there's more scenes here. And at least you kind of are getting a sense of this is where the, this is the lines along which this person is evolving. But just the fact that they spend so long to bring Steve Trevor back and then once they bring back Steve Trevor, like Gal Gadot and Chris Pine have great chemistry, but they're given almost nothing to do. Yeah. You yeah. know, there, there is there is no point to bring Steve Trevor back other than we like seeing these two actors together. Right. And, and as can be told by the fact that he essentially like just drifts out of the movie. Mm-hmm. You get Gal Gadot like running away and being like, I renounce my wish. But it really feels like Steve just sort of like disappears. Right. Right. You know, like there's there's no proper send off for him. And I think that's I think that's a problem. Well, I see your point. So this and this is the other thing that I think is kind of interesting about Wonder Woman 84. The second time. I mean, I felt it the first time in a way that is like, oh, this really fails. The second time it's 
it's really trying to be like a character film. Like it's a superhero character film, but they but don't. But it has nothing to do with, like it doesn't say anything with the well, characters. Well, and that that is the problem. That, I mean, other than just sort of the the villains, quote unquote, have their reasons. Maxwell Lord does get his redemption. You do get a sense of seeing sort of uh, the cheetah do whatever. But there's, but I think the thing that's really hard is a Wonder Woman letting Steve go is supposed to be a weird she just walks away moment because the whole point is kind of supposed to be, as he says, he's already gone. Like, and that's the thing that doesn't work is they're like, oh, we're going to make a movie about grieving kind of and not really have it be about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just I mean, there's just a lot that's bad. Like the most there, there there's a lot that there's a lot that doesn't work in it. And honestly, yeah. it became more obvious the second time for me. Mm. Like the the action scenes are terrible. Oh, really bad. Like, like really, really horribly badly done. atrocious. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I I know they did it in the first film, but it wasn't so obvious. But like Wonder Woman isn't Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And every time I saw her use the lizard, like swinging around, it's like this. Just you know, if it were well done, I still wouldn't like it. But it's also bad CGI when you do it. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, no, it, it, it really it the whole thing. It just felt like it poorly, uh, poorly planned and poorly executed. I guess. Yes, exactly. I mean, what I think is is interesting is there's a there's a lot of ambition there, which, as you know, I'm a kind of a sucker for. And so by the time you get to the super heart rending climax finale movie, end of it, um, I was more generous about it the second time. But the action scenes are genuinely terrible. And that was it. When I went back to rewatch it. I had told that whole, like, here she is having an action scene with the convoy. Oh, and that's the other thing. One of the things that's super poorly executed is the idea that's not really followed up on in any way that makes any sense whatsoever. Is the idea that Diana, by making the wish and bringing Steve back, a la Superman 2, begins to lose her powers and is working at diminished capacity. And so you see her like, you know, get shot or start to lose her strength or have scenes where she's almost crushed and blah, blah, blah. But there's no, apart from literally Steve plot hammering it at the end of most of those action sequences, even then it doesn't really there's no sense of cause and effect. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, and it's to the point where when I was watching it on Fast Forward, I literally missed that. Yeah, I, I did like, too, like mostly Steve, the first way through the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve says something along the lines of, you know, uh, you're weaker, that shouldn't have happened or something. Right. And I was like, is she? Right. Like, when did that happen? Right, how do you know? And again, the, uh, in that sense of ineptitude, having someone swing around and beat up, you know, four coke addicts in a mall. I mean, Graham, I don't know about you, but I've certainly done that. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> that's not really noteworthy, you know? So, so, so the fact that you don't even have a sense of, like you said, 
I missed it more or less the first time as well. The second time, the only way you pick up on it is one or two kind of weird brief sequences. Like she can't break the lock and he's like, what, what's wrong with you, Diana? Yeah, yeah. No, what, like, what's going what, on, what Diana? Yeah. You know, you, what's looking out for it? You can see it, yeah. but it's done so subtly as to kind of not be there, no, which exactly. is a problem. Because, it's a huge problem. Well, but especially because as as I think you and I would agree, even though we don't necessarily agree about what the value of it, like it's such a campy, obvious film mm-hmm. that like the one place you're subtle right. is one of your primary plots. Right, 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 right. Like if you can't understand that she has lost something, mm-hmm. right? Then, then that's a problem. Right. Well, and I think this is this is always this is. Uh... This is something that that I think when you've got movies with magic in it, you got to fucking explain the rules. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. they've got to be laid out really clearly, you know? Yeah, you can't just explain the rules. You've got to uh, demonstrate the rules. Right, right. So, like you can, it's not enough just to say, Diana, you're getting weaker. Well, right? no, right, exactly. Show, like really visibly getting weaker well for me i think what i mean more is uh and this is a good point and it is something that that drives people up the wall with superhero movies but i mean more specifically from yeah you know you've got this magic wishing thing and everybody like everyone who wishes on it gets their wish then you get maxwell lord who finds it grabs it well, there's a whole thing that I noticed on the second viewing, but that, again, I blame on the Schmambian, which is it's not really clear that Maxwell Lord is the dude who was going to buy the piece. He no, was... no, that, yeah, that's that's the ambient. That is something that is, like, pretty clearly laid out. Well, so except, so my thing, in my defense, because I don't think it's it was just the ambient, is you've got a scene where Diana goes to look at the object. And she looks in the box where the packing stuff is, and it's not there. And then you see the receipt for Maxwell Lord, right? Mm -hmm. Later, you have Maxwell Lord take the item. And when Diana asks about it, uh, Kristen Wiig's character is like, yeah, I gave it to him. He's a big donor for the thing. Now... If it wasn't for if you aren't paying attention and you forget the middle sequence, which is basically Maxwell Lord seen and still trying to get his hands on the 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 MacGuffin, it, it literally seems as if that's the receipt that was created when she gave it to him to borrow. Like, but you're right. Then later they're in the office and Chris Pine's like, uh, they've been he's been looking for this for a long time, and I'm like Oh, okay, kind of, you know, like I said, like you said, it's probably my ambient, but there, but the rules for the mad, for the magic wishing thing are, they just keep throwing around the monkey's paw. And I will have to say one thing I appreciate is the number of times where they did shit. And I'm like, oh, that's anachronistic. The, there's no way he would know about phone books. I'm like, oh, 1880. It's like, oh, the monkey's paw. He's the one who mentions the monkey paw. The, God damn it. That's, that thing came out after World War I. Nope, 1902. So <laughs> I don't like, know I'm, my I'm history. I'm unexpected about that. No, it's, it's yeah. It's, but it's but just... there's no, you know, he says the monkey's paw. And I'm like, but there's no, there's no sense where Diana's like, 
I wish for Steve Trevor to come back. And they're like, oh, okay, then you lose your powers. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, you you get... Like, what did Max actually lose? Right, right. I mean... And also, how did Max's powers work after that? Again, I've seen this film one and a half slash two no, times. I've totally. watched the Max of Alarm scenes twice. Right. And I still don't actually understand how it worked. Right. Can, it... Like, someone just wished something... And he just decided what he got back, and it happened. Yes, or did they he's have to available to it... call the shots. No, no, no. Yeah, but did he? Well, so because... what happens is, sorry, uh, his thing is when he wishes to be the wishing thing, he is able to dictate what the cost of the wishes. They don't have a choice in it. The only extent to Except... which they have a choice is if they choose to renounce the wish. Except with the 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 um, the Emir of Balia, who turns him down for the oil. Right. Well, because right because Maxwell when, wish. Yeah, like wants... I understand. I understand the political aspect, as in we don't control the oil. Right. But if Maxwell Lord gets to make the rules and he says, "I want all the oil from this country," he should still get that oil. He says, Just because it's not politically convenient. Well, like that—that's the thing that confuses me. He, I think he cannot. He, the the idea is he does get to get something from the wisher. So, in other words, if the if it's not the wishers to give, yeah, you know, I, but yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like I feel it's really muddy. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and that's being generous. Because, no, yeah. but it's muddy because of that. It's being muddy because of the Bialya scene. Because either he gets something or he doesn't. And everything else in the film suggests that he just gets it. He just says, I want this. Right? Mm-hmm. But that scene, he's like, I want all the oil in the country. And the mayor's like, well, you can't get it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I'll take your security team then. Right. Suggests that the giver has some level of say. But he, they don't have any level of say anywhere else in the film. Nah, Graham. You know, I, 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 just... I know what you're saying, but I also know where they're going with that, and it's yeah, no, kind no, of... no. I, yeah, but again, I it's just sloppy. It's like, there's a whole point where later Kristen Wiig, who lets that's a, just a whole other ball of cold soup, but you know, is more, he's more or less on the jet with her. And he's like, I like you. I'll give you a wish for free. What do you want to be? And then of course she says all that bullshit out of nowhere. So they can get a super villain out of it, or I should say another super villain. Um, and, and he's like, okay. And it doesn't cost her anything. And I'm like, I don't think you have the say over that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like, okay, but here's my take on that. mm -hmm. And this is, 100% 100% me having to think through it because, again, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You've got two possibilities. One, Max gets to reset it because now he's the wishing stone and she wished on the other wishing stone before that. Oh, no, I'm not worried or, about there being a second one, but yes, go Or on. more likely, mm-hmm. he doesn't actually grant – he grants her a wish without her actually making a wish. The idea is you get one wish and everything he does after that is him just redirecting stuff he wants. Because if you watch the scene before she turns into the, the character from Cats. Right. right. The last you see of her is Max actually saying, she like, you get her, like, she gets your anger or ferocity or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually him granting a wish directly. Mm. It's him just being like, I like you. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. I'll do this. Which, again, 
is another bullshit workaround. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like, a lot of the them. Fact, yeah, the fact that we're having to work it out like this, mm-hmm. I think, is, a, is proof that, you know, I think we're maybe thinking through this film more than other people were. <laughs> well, no, because I think, I unfortunately, I think that is part of the problem is, I mean... There are movies that do it better or worse, or there you get audiences that are less concerned about it. But if you fuck up your rules and you don't establish them well, people jump to conclusions and or they find themselves confused when you tell them something that they're like, again, doesn't make any sense. Like the whole idea that I mean. This is even before we get into the shit that is problematic, right? Like, we're just talking about plot shit. We're not even talking about, like, the non-consensual sex aspect of Steve Trevor and Diana's relationship. We're not even talking about the way in which you know, uh, an attempted rapist is more or less seen as a victim when a woman, you know, a woman is seen as the villain for striking back at him. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes on and on and on and on and on to say nothing of just just weird, atrocious. Like, why would you cast Maxwell's son? Like, okay, so Maxwell Lord is latino his son you decide should be asian why can't you make him a child that can act why couldn't you pick an acting asian child if you were going to pick a child right like not only is this child distractingly not even like you know latino asian but just flat out asian seeming but the child himself seems as if uh, like like Patty Jenkins shot him with sodium pentothal and kidnapped him from a schoolyard. Like, I don't... What were they thinking when it came to we that casting we don't, choice? So we don't talk about Patty Jenkins' uh, recruiting techniques. <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm very looking forward to her Star Wars film, in um, which all the X-Wing pilots will be falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that, um, that would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, like, although again, okay. okay all of this all of this said jeff yeah how, how did you like it more the second time around uh like how, how did that happen because uh, and i'm not this is not me being like sarcastic or, or gotcha right. or anything you are only saying bad things about the film yes right yeah. how did you go from not liking it to liking it more which again it's not necessarily liking it but sure just exactly liking but liking it more um there's a few things. One, I don't know if you caught this, you probably did, but the little Easter egg of the secret stealth Wonder Woman villain in it that I didn't catch until the second viewing that you probably did, um, which is the Duke of Deception. Did you did you catch that part? Uh, I did, but I don't know who the Duke of Deception is. The Duke of Deception is an old Wonder Woman villain. So, okay, like, I, it, it's one of those things where I was like... That like that's a thing, and I will Google what that thing is. But I didn't understand it. Right. Whereas I literally couldn't understand it the first time, and had the subtitles on the second time. So, so there's, there, <laughs> I will say for me, this there's the the first time when you are expecting a story, 
Um, there's a lot of shit that is frustrating and annoying. The second time, being able to enjoy Gal Gadot and Chris Pine's chemistry the second time when I was less frustrated because I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere was um, kind of fun. There is a weird, there's lots of, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ambition in the movie. There's Patty Jenkins is trying to make a superhero movie without villain villains. You know what I mean? Like Maxwell Lord is, you know, and, and even, uh, even the cheetah. Cheetah. Yeah. Um, and then I have to say the, the, this and again, super obvious. So we'll blame the Shmambi in the first time around. But the second time around, the big climax of the film, where Wonder Woman is more or less pleading to give up the wishes, to renounce the wishes, to be good and do good. Um, and of course, it turns out that she is, you know, addressing the world through ridiculous plot contrivance yeah 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 um one of the things i do like about it is jenkins she doesn't do it as soon enough as i would like but jenkins moves the camera from you know whatever one third perspective to essentially having literally diana talking right into the camera you know so she is literally addressing the audience and I think that that is, that's really obvious, but that's the kind of thing that I guess I want from my camp movies. It's it's not so much, you know, beating up a bunch of lushes, um, you know, uh, in front of uh, Walden books, which, like I said, all of us have done that at one point in our lives, if not multiple times. Um, you know, I really want someone... Facing the camera and pleadfully te- pleading with them to, to to do what's right to save the world. That is that to me was pretty spectacular. I did like how, um, if you think about when the movie is being made and filmed, and nonetheless of when it re- was released, which I think throws things off. It's pretty prescient i guess if you think about the fact that they were writing and filming scenes in which more or less people are rioting and policemen are just wailing on people in the streets and there is garbage everywhere and it's essentially a lot of scenes of riots where things feel really out of control i'm like that is I don't know if they did last minute rewrites or, you know, you sometimes hear about this way that movie makers are trying to figure out kind of where things are going and what their way of talking about where the world is going to be by the time the movie comes out. And considering this is a movie that was supposed to come out like at the very beginning of summer, like it's it's. It's pretty on the nose. Now, again, I'll start complaining because there's a weird angle about the no nukes protesters 
like there's a real shitty both sides thing where it's like every time you see rioters freaking out, they're holding up no nuke signs. And as long as I'm back to showing on the movie again, let's talk about the world's worst casting of Ronald Reagan, which as far as I can tell was done purely so that people could say in a pinch, Oh no, that wasn't Ronald Reagan. You know, like, I was going to say, is that meant to be wrong? Like I, I had that. Is that meant to be Ronald Reagan? Right. Right. You know, he's he's enough that you could be like, oh, I guess he's he's kind of a shitty Ronald Reagan. But I also think that he is, as you say, far enough away that you could be like, that wasn't Ronald and Reagan. And see, that's it. They, but you have his obsession with nukes, which makes no sense otherwise. You have him talking about Star Wars. They have him talk about, I mean, I think there's also a way in which, again, someone who's really on top of things, uh, there was a great article written, I think in the last year, maybe it was two years ago, about Donald Trump's ties to the power of positive thinking and how the whole Norman Vincent Peale and the whole positive thinking movement really came out of the Southern Baptist desire to have a religion that still allowed them to hate black people and the way in which that is supposed to be a connection between those two characters and and lord maxwell lord trump wishing for reagan's power quite openly and then instantly taking it as a now you give me like now i'm a sovereign nation no one can lay their hands on me kind of thing his little thing of like the power of positive thinking, which is the first time that he says it, like it's, it's none of it kind of like a lot of the movie. It doesn't really make sense if it's not Reagan, but they so clearly backed so far away from it, maybe because some studio exec was deeply uncomfortable with it and, or someone made the case that it would, um, you know, spoil the point of their movie by like distracting things with you know such an on the nose political point. But there's a it it. I think what's hard is that Wonder Woman eighty four then like at the end as it's more or less literally begging the audience to take responsibility for what's going on in the world. It is at the same time in the background scenes playing with both sides uh visual iconography in a way that, that i find incredibly frustrating so so what i liked was chemistry stuff the you know the scene where they're flying in the invisible jet through the fireworks scene is i think a really great sequence and the second time i watched it i'm like man i bet patty jenkins is really pissed that this is not being seen on the big screen because it's kind of nice on a big TV, but you know she meant you to feel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. were in it, and that was th that part I found kind of lovely. There's a there's a whole bunch of stuff in which high heels are a weird visual metaphor for the movie, and there's also the thing that gets back down on is Diana starts off, and this is again the, how the movie gets muddled is is Jenkins is trying to not like she uses camp. I prefer my version of camp to be a way to address things that are otherwise unaddressable. 
And yet I know there's a strong contingent for which camp is the way by which people who don't believe in simple dichotomies diffuse them while indulging in them, I suppose. And so I have... So, for example, the fact that Diana Diana's... Um, emotional aloofness in which she's basically more or less being hit on by every guy in every room that she walks into in every scene is at the same time supposed to be a sign of her emotional aloofness and inability to um, uh, connect with the world because of her loss with Steve it's also supposed to be the cornerstone to explain a little bit of how um I can't Barbara Minerva, is that her first name? Yes, um yeah, yeah. as she wishes to become like Diana, the more that she does so, the monkeys in other words, what I liked was a little bit of the idea of the monkey's paw of for a woman getting what you want is its own monkey's paw especially if what that is is to be paid attention to because you know yeah i know i yes but i was going to say the problem with that is that i would argue that's not what the movie is doing like that's something that you have to project onto it because it's not just that she gets attention it's that she ends up you know the thing that barbara loses is her empathy right. is her kind right right mm-hmm. and so but it doesn't doing that and then of course going the further step of like and now she's a monster mm-hmm. completely undercuts the point the point you're making well i mean you know? and that and that like, is, like it, yes which is the problem right no that it, I doesn't, agree. it doesn't get to do that mm-hmm. because instead it's like mm. no agreed agreed well again because i feel that there are ways Jenkins and company really want to have their cake and eat it too in Wonder Woman 84. And so they more or less have neither, you know, and that's the really the problem with the movie. When you go back, I think for me and rewatch it, or apparently if you watch it on fast forward, you, like you said, you can stitch together the movie that is supposed to be there. Um, that, could be good you know but but it's really not and it is it's a shame for a variety of factors you know yeah there's there's i think that in many ways you can tell what is uh what what movie wonder woman made for thinks it is and wants to be mm-hmm and it's much easier to like those films. Oh, very much so. Very, right. Than the exactly. one that actually exists. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And so you can, you know, I find I find Wonder Woman 84 frustrating because I like the film it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, the more I realize the film it actually is. Yeah, right. So tell me, I mean, I, it may be a bit of a, a digression, diversion, but I'm quite curious. Wonder Woman on rewatch. It sounds like it doesn't hold up or it was disappointing or by comparison. Can you talk a little bit about that and also the context? Did you watch it before watching WW84 on Speed View or did you watch it? Uh, after, I, I, watched Wonder, or... I rewatched Wonder Woman a while ago, like uh, during the summer, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in large part because I did remember it being a very good film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, this is great. It's on again. It's on HBO Max. You right. know, hooray, hooray. This this will be great. Um, and it's not. I mean, it's good, right? But it's far slower than I remember. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of scenes that don't really go anywhere that I didn't remember. Hmm. Um, and honestly, that third act is fucking atrocious. Mm-hmm. The third act is a fucking nightmare. So, in other words, it is kind act, of closer to Wonder Woman eighty four than than many of us would like to remember. Yes, I I would say yes, but also I would say that Wonder Woman eighty four is almost better in some respects mm-hmm. because I think that Wonder Woman is arguably more promising before that third act completely goes off the rails, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that. Wonder Woman 84 isn't brought of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like, all the flaws of Wonder Woman 84 are present from the start. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. They're all there from the beginning. Yeah. And one of the real problems of Wonder Woman is that, you know, when... Is it David Thewlis? Who is Who plays the bad guy? In yeah, it's David Thewlis. Uh, like, that's right. Or is it Danny like Houston? A... No, Danny Houston's the MacGuffin, the red herring, who you think is like going to be the when bad. It, when it turns, when he turns into like the CGI character, yeah, and it becomes like, like that. Honestly, I remember watching it in theater, being like, "What is happening?" Yeah, right. What is actually happening right now? Like that feels like it comes so out of, you know, out of the the blue mm-hmm. that it's. That it's kind of shocking. It's interesting, you know? yeah. and, I, and I don't think you get that in Wonder Woman eighty four because again, it's those flaws are there from the start. Mm-hmm. I don't think at any point you feel, and this is being mel- melodramatic, but sort of scale it back in a way that I can't with with the way my brain's working. I don't think you feel betrayed mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the same way that I, I think you can feel betrayed by the way that Wonder Woman resolves. Hmm. You know, right, right. Because Wonder Woman, is, Wonder Woman is, is a, a film where. Diana is ostensibly, you know, she she has her mission. Her mission is to bring peace, and the way she's going to bring peace is by punching a CGI villain. Mm-hmm. You know, and it feels like it's it's undercutting its own message. And for all of Wonder Woman eighty four's flaws, I don't think at any point it does undercut its message. It's just that its message is kind of facile to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Wonder Woman eighty four is actually a kinder film than Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I mean, because, because it does, what does offer redemption to Max at least? Oh, and agreed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for no, I, I think, think so. Said, like, there's no, there's no villains. Yes, right. Whereas Wonder Woman is like, haha, I'm Ares. I'm made of computers. Right. And now I could like <laughs> both of us are which not to be the laws of physics. Well, it's ten minutes. Exactly. I mean, again. The problems that you see to me in Wonder Woman 84, by the time you get to the showdown between her and Ares, there is no there's no rules for how Ares works or even what either both of them can, can't do or to what level that they can. And so the film ends, right? It's like, ah, but what if I can lassoe lightning? Right. Yeah. Right. So, again, it's just like, sure, I guess. But I also kind of like, again, in that way that Jenkins is like, hey, you know what? The 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 god of war is not the German. It's the Brit. Like, it's not the she is trying to turn the tables on the narrative. But again, in order to be able to pull that off, 
like the the movie has to tilt itself as if it's going one way without giving itself away but also there's the, then there's that point of Danny Houston's character has no point to exist really whatsoever so so it's so it's mush but it's kind of mush at the end in a way that I didn't necessarily mind and and again in Wonder Woman 84 I see shit and I'm just like yeah, no, 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 no. I will say, and this is because I feel like you're always like, oh, Jeff, you're reading too much into it. I do want to talk about the part where I think I'm reading too much into it, which is that <laughs> Wonder Woman 84, I think, can also be seen as a catalog of movies from the 80s, you know? Yes. No, no, I think you're right. Oh, good. Okay. I don't think I don't think you're reading too, too much into that at all. Yeah, because I do think that in a way, the way in which I complained about some of these things, the you know the '80s were filled with magical wish fulfillment movies. They were filled with body swapping magical wish fulfillment movies. They were filled with oh, you no, know it's, it's a film. It's a film that is one hundred percent. We're trying to basically replay a lot of tropes from the films that we grew up on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like very, very clearly, yeah. exactly. So, so in a way, it's kind of the the thing that's frustrating and problematic about the Barbara Minerva and the Cheetah storyline is such a huge chunk of you know the awkward nerdy girl you know gets beautiful and super hot and popular and then learns that she's lost herself along the way you know or the the beautiful woman learns that you know she has to be able to let go of love and you know again all that stuff the rich guy who gets the magic wishes who learns that i mean it's it's kind of all there and there Mm -hmm. is something about the way in which it's done in such um because it's compounded multiply and glibly um, and shittily in that sense, it is, I mean, that's the problem. It's like when, when Wonder Woman 84 is at the level of weekend at Bernie's level quality, you're like, well, on the one hand it succeeded, you know, because weekend at Bernie's and mannequin and make a wish and, she's the man and all the other stuff and not she's the man who's the what's the one with the the one that launched nine thousand lesbian careers you know the the uh, anyway it doesn't matter i literally have no idea what you're talking about but okay <laughs> he's the one I literally no don't. one of the boys just one of the boys you know where it's the woman the girl who dresses up as a guy and then gets on the football I, team and falls in love with the quarterback anyway it doesn't matter. i have doesn't matter. i don't but okay yeah um but doesn't that exactly fall back to the you know we know what sort of film they're making and it's a much better film than the film they made yes absolutely absolutely i just wanted to point it out again in part because i think the other stuff that i have in there is in there which of course you poo-pooed so it's ironic the one that i'm like okay and then when i go too far you're like no absolutely i'm like no i do i I think that's 100 uh, percent. i'm like that feels so in there i'm like no jeff like why are you even doubting that oh it's it's thank you graham it is i'm sorry i'm sorry that i'm impressed at your ability to agree with me at the one point where i didn't think that you would and therefore simultaneously you know like live up to and betray my uh my idealized image of you at the same second 
it's so it's so you, Graham. It's so you. So let's talk about because I do want to say that that um, you probably saw my tweet about it. I think that it was clever and on point, which is for people who got HBO Max for 30 days, saw Wonder Woman 84 and were disappointed and still want to have a fabulous period piece superhero movie about unlikely triumphs and amazing feats. Um, watch that Bee Gees documentary, you know? Uh, <laughs> I did not see a tweet about it. Uh, it's it's really good, right? It, it is good. It's arguably about as factually accurate as Wonder Woman 84, I think. <laughs> but it is great. It is so much better get, told. You get to see old Barry Gibb, which is, is very weird to me. <laughs> fucking amazing isn't it like it was it was it was hilarious watching that with Edie and her being like wait Barry Gibb looked like that why the hell did they put why did they put the beard on him you know and, but no 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 I meant I meant Barry Gibb <coughs> as he is today oh a- oh I, mean, I see it's Barry Gibb ancient Barry no, Gibb that, is no, that's great true. Barry Gibb was a very handsome man he really was he really was i don't why i don't know why he gave into the 70s with the hair and the, the beard that everyone knows him as because barry Gibb was a very handsome man his brothers let's be honest less so well that's the thing there's there's so many things to love about that documentary one is because i only i mean i know a few pieces of the bgs in their pre-disco era like i started a joke and stuff but not very extensively I did not realize that Robin Gibb wrestled with Barry sort of for control of the band. And despite the fact that he looks like a poorly put together scarecrow that would have gotten a, a, a barely passing grade in scarecrow class, somehow was kind of the sex, also considered a sex straw. And there, out of all the many heartwarming unbelievable and yet wins you over because you believe it moments the moment where maurice's wife talks about him as the most handsome man on the planet i i love that that broke that was heartwarming can can we for real just really 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 say that like it's such a winning documentary it really is like you go into being like, I like a couple of beachy songs, and you end up coming out of it going, I've been on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And also, maybe the BGs were the best songwriters of the 20th century. I'm, I, as someone who, you know, grew up invested, like, like who both forsook and then later embraced his uh, destiny as somebody who first slow danced to How Deep Is Your Love, I kind of knew that, but, but they make the case, and it's stunning. It's also, let's face it, there is some sleight of hand. Like, I swear to God, Graham, it was two and a half hours after I watched that film, which is to say in the dead of night when I got up to pee, I'm peeing and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, what about Sergeant Peppers? Like, they literally, it's like it never happened. I spent the entire film waiting for Sergeant Peppers for real. Yeah. I was like, just mention it. Just mention it. No. Just it didn't just, not but, at but all. Understandably, they don't because yeah. Sgt. Pepper's is not good. No, I know, and that's the thing that's hilarious about it is is that the story knows where it's going to go, is crafted in a way that it's going to cra- be crafted, you know. And but it's still it's glorious. It's masterfully told. It is great. It's just 
great. It was um, charming. What was really funny was I told Edie, I'm like, we got to watch it. We've got to watch it. Graham said that uh, it was too short. But so it's only going to be an hour or something. And then we start watching. She's like, it's two hours and 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, Am okay. I wrong, Could you not have watched like another couple of hours of that? Oh, that's exactly what she said as soon as the credits rolled. She was like, I never wanted that to end. I have to admit, I, I wanted that to just keep going forever. It was perfect. So, so I do think that if you want to see the, the, the camp superhero classic, that's on HBO Max. There's probably others that Graham can point you to, but my vote is how can you mend a broken heart? The BG story. Cause that was exceptionally well done. Yeah. It's, 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 I have to say, and I think I've said this before, I think HBO Max is by far my favorite streaming service. And there are so many amazing things. Yeah. Service. Yeah. 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 I, um, I, I, it's funny because I think you have now a you much have better sense television. of it. Yes, which I'm so great. Say, now that you can watch it on television, I think you will you will discover this. Yes, I've been watching it. We've been watching it a lot more. It did make it easier to sit down and watch that BGS thing. And there's a there's a whole slew of stuff that we've got to watch, and it's a lot of stuff we're behind on. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, so, so the short version is: yes, get HBO Max. Don't get it for Wonder Woman. Although right. chances are, like you've all already seen Wonder Woman. It's only available until like the 24th of January or something. Right. Uh, Which is another reason also, why I wanted us to do this mini episode in a way is it may sway someone. Although if you haven't seen Wonder Woman 84, let's just say that. We have just spoiled it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it, from back to front. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry. You were saying. Uh, I was going to say, uh, don't get it for Wonder Woman. Get it for the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Uh, get it for. I'm trying to think what else I've absolutely loved in the, on HBO Max this year. Um the Ramesh Rang and Ethan travel show, I think, is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Pure, which is another British show, mm-hmm. I think it's really fucking charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it, If you look up like what it's about, it charming might seem an odd way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But it is a genuinely charming, wonderfully uh, kind show mm-hmm. that I really, really, really loved. Um, what else? Shit! What else have I been watching there so much? You you like the, the... legendary? You've seen yes. legendary? I like, have not, did, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Jeff, legendary is so good. Yes, there. It sounds absolutely dumb, and this is something that you will only watch when you're in lockdown and you've watched everything else. But I loved the Selena Gomez cooking show. <laughs> oh right, cooking with Selena. Right, you did love that. It's like Selena plus chef. Yeah, in which she skypes the chef. <laughs> Tells her how to cook something. <laughs> it's the simplest thing, made all the more fun by the fact that she's clearly not very good at what she does. <laughs> like by which I mean, like cooking. Like, okay, thank God. Thanks for she clarifying. Know she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like there's something about that that I was like, I love this. I love that she's just randomly skyping people yes. who are like, okay, do you have everything? And she's like, I know you literally sent everything to my house this morning, but I can't find the pepper. <laughs> 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 or they're like, put that on, and then she sets fire to something. That's great. That sounds fabulous. Uh, yeah, no, there's there is genuinely a, a lot of really great stuff mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who is. Uh, a fan of of British comedy. The most recent Alan Partridge is on there as well. Mm, mm, right. I mean, all the Alan Partridge is on there, but I hadn't seen the most recent one. Then so. Got it. So, so Graham, 
tell us a little bit about next week. Is it a full-fledged episode? I don't think sure. I'm a Let's mo- make it a full-fledged episode. Okay, great, great. And then we'll figure out a way to drock and not drock. And, well, yeah. so, yeah, let's do a full-fledged episode next week. Right. Uh, and then a drock the week afterwards, and then we'll have a skip week? Yeah, I think so. In any event, that's the sort of year twenty twenty is going to be twenty twenty one. Thank you, sir. 20, oh God, see, it's the it's the podcast version of of writing the wrong date in your checks. <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, which is great because I mean, who does that anymore? Either it's so funny right, you can check. listen to me become untethered to reality. I'm like, who watches commercials? Who writes checks? You know, I'm like, I write. I do both a lot. Anyway, sorry, what? Hmm? How much is a carton of milk, Jeff? <laughs> That's right. If you you want to be president, Jeff. It's you just, gotta know this. It's just one banana, Michael. What can it cost? I mean, ten dollars. You know. So anyway, uh, so join us next week, everyone, for a full fledged episode of Wait What, where um, oh, there's going to be stuff that I will talk about at some point that won't just be complaining about uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three on the Nintendo Switch. Let's assume. Uh, oh, and uh, next week, unless I have my ship dates entirely screwed up, uh-huh. uh, the final issue of Dark Knight's, uh, Dark Knight's colon Death Metal uh, comes out. And as someone who's already read it, I know we're going to be talking about that. Oh, boy. Ooh, exciting. I'm very excited. Okay, so um, I guess we should just cover the standard closing stuff, right? Generally? Yes, let, let's, let's quickly let's close do that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There will be probably no show notes, because why would there be show notes? We'd literally talk about one thing. Oh, you're right. Entire... Exactly. It would just uh, be like but... the trailer and spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. it would literally just be us being like, okay, we're talking about Wonder Woman, and we're just agreeing that it's not very good for a while. Uh, that's all. That's all you need to know, right. everyone. Uh, anyway, that'll be on waitwhatpodcast.com. There is a Tumblr, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. There's an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpods. There is a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which means Jeff Lester is going to step forward and tell you this. Hey, everyone. Listen, I got to tell you, the holidays, um, which we didn't really get into and probably will next episode, uh, spoilers were generally pretty good for me, like, personally. Like, the state of the world, the state of my state, like, there's a lot of stuff that's a little um, worrying, to put it mildly. But in terms of having... Like some quiet days off where it was my wife and I and we were like walking on the beach and talking about things. Um, And one thing that really came up for me a lot was my feelings of extreme gratitude at um, being able to talk with Graham, which is wonderful, but also realizing kind of how, uh, well, realizing, sort of re-realizing how valuable it is for me to have this weirdo version of a soapbox to be able to feel heard. Like, I just feel like feeling heard is just something that um, so many of us don't feel. And that has its weird effects, especially for, like, you know, guys who are not young um, working out on Insta, uh, you know, as as like 
an old bearded guy who kind of looks like a pile of leaves that someone jammed uh, clothes around. I feel incredibly lucky that I, again, not only am uh, able to inflict my opinions on crime, but I'm able to inflict them upon you all and that you seem to, um, you know, put up with it. Uh, I'm sure Graham feels similarly, hopefully, you know, with um, slightly better self-esteem, but I mean, no, I I'm know also, I'm, yeah, please. exactly. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you, you speak for us both. <laughs> exactly. So, so make of that what you will listeners. We're incredibly grateful to you and we're super grateful. Uh, I think in addition to the fine folks on Patreon who show us that, that they do appreciate us by throwing us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh every month. We are really, really grateful at how much that keeps us fired up and active. Um, I'd like to give a special shout out to Domico Franco. Uh, this may be his um, sort of salutary send-off as he moves off into a new galactic sector to protect. But also uh, old cosmic standby Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Um, we are super grateful for their continuing support of this podcast. Um, we thank you. Graham? We will be back next week with something approaching a regular rate watch in that I will be complaining about comics. Um... <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening to us ramble uh, in a genuinely unexpected podcast i know we said to you guys that we'd be doing it but we did not think we were until like two days ago and then we're like oh shit yeah exactly (laughs) that was literally the conversation so yeah and this was the conversation from that conversation so we'll be back in in a week Uh, until then thank you very much for listening and bye